Hello and welcome to Life of the School, episode 31. Hello, my name is Aaron Matthew, and I'm a biology teacher from Acton-Boxborough Regional High School. Each episode of Life of the School, I like to sit down with a fellow life science teacher and ask how they get in the classroom, what are they currently working on, and what are they looking forward to in the future. This episode, I sit down with Caitlin Ulock. Caitlin teaches AP Biology and is a science instructional leader at Pittsford Menden High School in Rochester, New York. Caitlin is a, an active leader in both the state of New York and nationally. Caitlin was a 2016-2017 Science Teacher Association of the State of New York, or STANIS, Central Western Section Association representative for biology. She has also been part of the State of New York Master Teacher Program. Nationally, Caitlin is a member of the NABT BSCS AP Biology Leadership Academy and is presented at the NSTA National Conference. Caitlin recently published in the NSTA journal, The Science Teacher. You can follow Caitlin's occasional postings on Twitter at C-U-L-L- O-C-K. Welcome, Caitlin. Hi. Hi, Caitlin. So as I mentioned, you are from the NABT BSCS AP Biology Teacher Academy, and that's where we actually met was at the the AP leadership uh, or sort of the AP Academy this summer where you were a presenter and I was a participant. So um, how you been doing since then? How was your summer? Busy. I mean, I thought maybe I would take it easy this summer and not work quite so much, but that did not work out well for me. <laughs> so, so, so I just kept working all summer long and then went back to school last week. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were this is now the, this will come out um, the second week of September, but we both just finished week one with students, uh, <laughs> which organizing this conversation yeah. was very harrowing uh, as we were both sort of like, you know, that, that sort of first week, the, the pacing is just crazy. You forget, I mean, maybe it's just me, but I forgot what the pacing of the school year is like during the summer. Um, it's very tiring. Yeah. I mean, I already had open house. <laughs> oh, wow. Second, second day of school. Oh, wow. Yeah. We don't have ours yeah. until October this year, which is on the late side uh, for us. We're usually late September, but this year we're not going to have that until October. So. Oh, that's, that's nice though. Yeah, well, I'll actually know the names of all of my students. Um. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know any names. I was just shaking parents' hands, smiling, because I don't know who their child is quite yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that. We, there was a year, you know, a few years back where it was like we had it. It was like the second or third week of school or for whatever reason. And all the parents are coming in. And, you know, at the time I had like honors bio and I had like 30 some odd kids in all those classes. And par- all the parents were coming up and shaking my hand and introducing themselves and saying whose kid there were. And I was like, OK, <laughs> you know, and I just I felt bad because it, it was so early in the year that. Yeah. You know, even then I knew the names, but I didn't know the kids yet. It was just so early in the year, you know, for these freshmen and sophomores. So, yeah, I'm looking looking forward to that. That's the fun part, getting to know the kids and and getting to work with them. So, yeah, I think I'm just as um, nervous about that first week of school as the kids are. (laughs) I, I do not like it when I don't know their names and I'm not, you know, I don't know their personalities. And so I can't I love to just clear that first week and move forward. Yeah. I don't know if you're like me. I also, I don't sleep well. (laughs) No, I don't either. I had a back to school dream, like one of those nightmares, I think early August. That was, that was very early. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have the back to school uh, nightmare. Somebody was talking about that somewhere about the back to school nightmare. I don't get the back to school nightmare, but my mind's like racing. Like I have that laundry list. Um, you know, I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I'm like, all right, I need to get that photocopied and I need to make sure I get those lab materials ready. And (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, this was one of those bad ones, you know, where you're up in front of classes of kids and you have nothing, nothing ready and you're just <laughs> running around like a crazy person trying to get everything together. I hate those ones because well, a... that would never happen. That never happens for real. I'm never up in front of the kids and not prepared. Yeah. Uh, now, hopefully now I don't have the that nightmare. I've never, I don't think I've ever had that one, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully not. <laughs> All right. I just put it in your head. So now you yeah. might. <laughs> Well, this is a, you know, we're recording this on a Sunday and it's like 
sort of Sunday evening. So this will be the test whether or not week two feels like different than week one, because I will tell you Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night of last week, I was waking up middle of the night with that to-do list rolling through my head. So if I wake up in the middle of the night, I'll I'll blame you. Um, (laughs) I'll send you a text or something. (laughs) Perfect. All right. So uh, let's get into the first question. Um, I I like to ask everyone just to get going. Um, How did you become a science teacher? What led you into the classroom? Well, sometimes I think I took the not like traditional route, even though I think I actually took a traditional route. I feel like most of my science teacher friends did, you know, something else or had another major and then sort of stumbled on education. And, um, you know, I, I didn't actually go to college for teaching. I actually really didn't want to be a teacher. I have two parents that are teachers, you know, neither one was, was in the science field, but I I knew how hard they worked. So, I mean, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be a teacher. Um, you know, and I went to college physical therapy and after the first year I realized I didn't really like human bio very much, which is also odd for a bio teacher, I know. But, um, you know, I really like some of those other classes. And I went to a small college. And I remember walking down to the registrar's office because I'd been there a year and I didn't really want to leave. And I was like, what other science majors do you have? And the ladies like, we have bio education, chemistry education, they didn't have anything else. It was a small college, it was pretty Mm -hmm. much a health field school. And so I was like, I don't, I don't know, maybe teaching, <laughs> maybe I'll try teaching. And, um, you know, I'd always done quite a bit of stuff with, you know, with, with students, even when I was in college. And, and um, so I don't know, that's kind of how I stumbled on it. And I went right from college, right into to teaching. And that's pretty much what I've been doing since. So on the upside, I, I can actually retire, you know, at 55 if I actually want to. <laughs> yeah. So I'll get those 30 years in before I turn 55. <laughs> Yeah, that was. I've had a very similar conversation to somebody uh, with people just the other day. You know, for some reason, it's, you know, we've got this group of teachers who are, um, who are near the end of their career, and they're all talking about it. And then that conversation then leads into people saying how many years they have left, which I it's a conversation I have a hard time with because you know, I I just doesn't just not, not the way I think. It's not part of my motivation, but. Um, a lot of people don't realize that I started teaching when I was 22 and that I've been doing this now for this year 22. Um, so, uh, mm-hmm. I say that to them and I'm like, you know, I go, I guess I have this many years left, you know, it's not, it's not quite 55, but it's not too many more than that. And people are like, wait a minute, you can retire that quickly, you know, that soon. Um, but, uh, yeah, I always tell my students, I'm like, I wonder what I'll do in my next career. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm like, what? I wonder what I want to be when I grow up. I'm not sure yet. I haven't committed. I feel like I could have a whole nother career after teaching if I wanted. Yeah, I, I had that. That's pretty much what I had said. I was like, well, you know, I'm not really going to, I don't really worry about that because, you know, at this point I have my two kids and you flash forward, you know, 13, 14 years or something like that. And you go, you know what? 13, 14 years from now, I'm not going to have any kids in the house. They're, in fact, I won't have any kids in college. Like, um, <laughs> they're gonna they'll... see, and that's when you'll have all the time in the world to prepare for your jobs. So yeah, <laughs> it'll be great. It'll be like, no, you won't have to do the last minute late night lesson planning after everybody goes to bed. You'll have yeah. all night to do it. There's <laughs> not going to be any U uh, ten soccer coaching in the middle of the week, or um... <laughs> right, or my, or my children that always ask me for last minute homework help. Right, as I'm ready to sit down to do my work, they're in crisis over their global homework or something. Yeah. Yeah, we were uh, on Friday night. I, we went out, and my wife was running the the dunk tank at the ice cream social, and you know, <laughs> like yeah, so, oh yeah. So that's a, that's you know, those are it's great. You get to see the, everyone in the community. It's a great event, but it is one of those things where you flash forward and say, all right, what is my life like in so many years when people are talking about retirement? It's like I don't even know. I don't even know who I'm gonna be. Like. <laughs> I I, I know I don't know what my clock's gonna be like. I don't know what those. It's it's hard to think that far forward when you when you think about it. But um, yeah, it's it's funny. I think of all the people I've talked to, you do not have uh, the most. Uh, yours is not a traditional start. I think there are a bunch of people who sort of fit in that category of deciding to go down the path of education while in college. But just as many, if not more, who are you know sort of the the successful leaders that I talk to are people who you know, went down a different path, sort of went around and, you know, maybe went after grad school for something or, or took a break and worked in outreach or, you know, like 
it's it's yeah. a it's a really yeah. I know a lot of path. people that worked in science fields. You yeah. know, they were doing all sorts of things. I mean, in the bio world, a lot of people working in labs. You mm-hmm. know, and realizing that that's what they thought they wanted to do, and then they got there and realized that wasn't you know really for them, and so they already had the you know bachelor's degree, and so pick up the education degree and. So the only, the only down part to that, like the only down part I think about the path I took is sometimes I talk to people that got to do some really great things, you know, um, like working in a lab or doing field work or, um, you know, and when you, when you do a bioeducation major, you know, you don't always, in a college, it's not actually set up for that. (laughs) You know, you don't always get to do that kind of stuff. And so I think I've kind of stumbled on a lot of PD that's allowed me to, to play around with some of that stuff because I didn't really get to do it in my college years yeah i did i went to a bigger school and i did a little bit of it when i was in college but um i I, as you were talking i was wondering like i love when i get to go and sit down at the bench um and do like lab work or lab research i did you know a fellowship a few years ago found it super fascinating but i i have had all those conversations with people who are like yeah i went to grad school and i i realized i didn't want to sit at a lab bench or i didn't want to do this and i don't know what 23 year old me would have been like you know, um, if I had gone down that path, would I have found it as interesting and as engaging? Um, had I done it? Then? Right. Yeah, I know. I don't know. It's a, this is it. I was a different person back then, just like we're talking about projecting forward. <laughs> I certainly was, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, per, I, I thought can, I was going to go to, uh, you know, I thought I was going to go to, uh, you know, medical school and, mm-hmm. and, I, I feel like I tossed around the Peace Corps for a while in my head. You know, I had a whole different plan at 17. And so I think that's you know, gives you a different perspective, though, when you get to that end of things as a parent. You know, now I have a 17-year-old who, um, much like me, is he loves biology and he thinks he might want to go in the health field. And, you know, I feel like he's he's following the same path. He's slowly think, well, first he want to be a doctor. And I was like, maybe a PA. Maybe I don't know what I want to do. And so, you know, I'm, so, I'm sort of trying to help him you know, go to a bigger place where he's going to stumble on some science fields, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a health field, but maybe something else, you know, maybe teaching, maybe something else, but, you know, not to be somewhere where his options are so limited because I don't think he really knows quite yet. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I tell the kids. I don't think kids really do see that. No. What do they see for science fields, you know, when, when they're in high school, it's limited. Well, they, and for me, the kids I talk to, they, they glom onto a, an idea that I'm going to go and do this thing. And they, you know, do they know what a biomedical engineer is? Um, my guess is that most of them don't, <laughs> but the number yeah, of kids who right. put, put that as a potential field, they're going to go down, you know, is, is a lot. I have a lot of kids who say that's a field they're really interested in. And I was like, okay. Um, yeah. Do you know what that is? So I was a medical school, you know, it's a big yeah. time commitment, oh, you yeah. know, it's, it's great if you can do it, but it's expensive and, and you're in school for a long time. And sometimes once you get started and you realize how much work school is, you know, adding on an extra batch of years doesn't sound so fun anymore. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of, uh, of MD PhDs, um, who, they they've done they do MD PhD for a variety of reasons. Some it's to keep their you know their ideas open, and I've, I've talked to a bunch of them, and it's interesting to talk to people while they're in the midst of that journey and the midst of that frustration. Um, you know, it, it's you get a really interesting perspective on that time commitment that they've put in, and you know what are they going to do with this at the other end? And um, yeah, it's you know it's it's clear that not everyone has the same path to whatever wherever they go. Um, but I keep yeah, the- I might have I might have told yeah. you this at the RTA. I can't remember, but um, I was listening on the radio and they were talking about um, like careers, top careers that kids want to be when they grow up. Uh-huh. You know, and it used to be things like um, doctor and firefighter. I mean, they're asking younger kids, and I just I had to laugh because I think I don't know if it was the number one thing, but it was right at the top. Um, if you ask kids today, the number one thing they want to be is a YouTuber. <laughs> and I just I mean I have a ten year old and he is fascinated with with. You know, he follows his regular batch of YouTubers, but I just had to laugh. I thought, oh, kids are just, <laughs> kids have so many different options today, don't they? <laughs> you could make, you could make it big on YouTube, you know, why not? Yeah. We'll have to bring Paul Anderson on that. We'll have to ask him if that's what his career was. <laughs> Paul. Yes. Paul, were you a YouTuber? Um, <laughs> he's never. He was, he was a pioneer. He of was. That, I guess of the kids wanting to be a YouTuber. 
<laughs> he's the YouTuber all the science teachers want to be. Um. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. That was on my list of things I want to be when I grow up. I'm going to be just like Paul Anderson. I, th- I would love to be Paul Anderson when I grow up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you just dropped in. You mentioned the the NABT BSCS um, RTA uh, the thing we did down in Florida. And I'd be remiss if not mentioning we are... Uh, we are on the day that Irma made landfall in, in Florida and is working its way up. So definitely a lot of my thoughts this past week have been with our friends in, uh, our many friends in Florida. Um, and I was talking to people there, but, uh, before we get more into talking about Florida, I'm curious how you got into the NABT BSES, um, teacher Academy. How did you get involved with that group? Yeah. So I, uh, when I switched, uh, jobs into an, into the uh, school district that I'm in now, um, I was actually hired there to, to teach some of the AP bio sections and um, I hadn't done it in probably 10 years. You know, I had taught the old curriculum in a mm-hmm. previous school. And um, so I kind of struggled through my first year, you know, like everybody <laughs> um, and just sort of keeping my head above water my first year. And then I think I was just online, just like I do every, you know, early spring hunting for PD opportunities for the summer. And I kind of stumbled on um, the NABT AP Bio Leadership Academy. And um, I thought, well, this would be a good opportunity. It's in Colorado. I like to find <laughs> PD things that are in places in the country I haven't been. I was like, I've been to Colorado, so this looks good. Um, and uh, so I was able to go that summer, and it was a two-year commitment. So I spent a week there that summer. And then, the you know, we follow up um, at the NABT conference. And actually, that was my first time ever going there. I mean, we have a really active state group here in New York. And so I've spent a lot of time with that group. And then I've been to NSTA, but I really hadn't, you know, had an opportunity to go to NABT. So I got to go there and met a great group of people. And I just really bought into it. I mean, it helped me reorganize what I do and how I approach the AP class. And it was nice. I kind of already went in with sort of an open mind anyways. I mean, most of us that showed up there had one. So it's always nice to be around other people that that are like-minded and, you know, want to be progressive and want to do things different. And and so I did that program for two years, got to know my, you know, um, cohort group really well, got to, got to meet some people from other cohorts. And then, you know, really the purpose of that program was to kind of, you know, train us to then go out and, you know, train other people and help other people with their AP bio programs and to do that, you know, more regionally instead of going to Colorado every year. So, so it was just kind of, you know, luck really. <laughs> I mean, I wish I had stumbled on it sooner, honestly, but. Yeah. I'm uh so when you were doing that was this um so we're in the new curriculum so we're probably only a couple of years into the new curriculum at that point uh when yeah, you Yeah, I think were it was there. right after the second year cuz I started uh in the second year. Okay. So and I did I had done my AP Summer Institute which I had a great one up in Connecticut and um you know that helped me with the kind of stuff I needed immediately, you yeah. know, how do I how do I tackle these immediate needs and so that was great but you know I was you know, I was kind of at that point in, in my teaching career anyways, where I was looking for, for that next level, you know, I didn't want just some other activities I could do in class. Like I wanted really to think about my teaching and my lesson planning and how kids learn. And so mm-hmm. that's what I loved about that program is that's what, you know, everybody in that group really wanted to do is really think about how, how kids learn. Yeah. The, the, why do we do what we do instead of like just the what to do? Um, exactly. Yeah. So then this past summer, um, you were in a cohort with, or a group, um, and I think we described a little bit on this when I did the uh, the roundtable uh, with the ladies. You you had chosen not to be on the mic on that one. Um, <laughs> I, need, I need to see things first so I know how they go, and then I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but you were in the room when we were, we were recording that. I think I saw you uh, sitting on the couch. There was a picture up on Twitter, uh, and you're in the room. Uh, with us that yep. day. Uh, yes. And I think I got some slack for that actually for some, from some other of our bio friends for not saying anything, but whatever. Well, you know, I'm you're, making up for it now. You're in New York. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> one of the chief agitators is a big wig, you know, in, in New York circles. Yeah, so. I'm an open target by being in New York. I get that. But. <laughs> so, so yeah, the, I thought it was really interesting to go there this past summer um, and get the people from all over the place, um, teachers who teach all over the country who had been through that um, that leadership group, uh, and then you come together uh, to do that presentation. I guess sort of my question is, you did this this one this past summer. Um, 
I was there. Where does this go forward? Like, is are you six now uh, a team that are going to move together? Are you and the other cohorts going to continue to roll out summer trainings similar to that? Um, what's the, I mean, you may not know any of these questions, but <laughs> I know some of them. Okay. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I think the, you know, the premise behind that and which is what I love so much about, um, the BSCS programs is really, it was, um, our, our program last summer with the six of us was really to, you know, allow us to, um, do one of those regional training programs, but still have that support, you know, and, while we're learning, you know, how to, to do this as trainers. And so that's kind of how we ended up as a group of six. So there were a couple other around the country. We were, there were two new groups last summer, each that had six facilitators. And, uh, and I think the idea is, you know, we, we did that one, we had our support, um, both on site and off site and that, you know, now we kind of, um, sit down as a group and decide how we want to move forward. And so I think that's, that's where we are right now. You know, we've already started meeting to decide exactly what we want to do. Um, you know, we're really interested in, in bringing one to the Northeast, mm-hmm. um, you know, where Vale is up in Connecticut. So um, that's, we're kind of playing with that one a little bit and then, you know, potentially trying another one in Florida. And so I think, you know, the idea is we'll probably split into two teams geographically, although we haven't exactly committed um, if that's how we're going to do it. But my guess is I'm going to, although I love going to Florida, <laughs> I think I'll probably be in Connecticut cause it's a little closer to me, but, um, I really did enjoy going somewhere a little warmer, but, um, so that, I think that's probably what we're going to do. So our goal is kind of just to keep going. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the need is there not just for AP bio teachers, but, you know, other bio teachers, I know, you know, in New York, for example, we're just getting rolling on our new standards. And so, I almost, I actually almost sent a chemistry teacher to the, the <laughs> RTA that was in New York last summer. I said, I know it says bio, but you know, it's, it's all useful. It doesn't matter if you don't teach biology. You know, I think the strategies and, and the research behind it is good for anybody. Well, I was actually on Friday afternoon, uh, I, I was using the explanation tool. Um, I had taken the explanation tool that we had worked on uh, at the, the regional uh, teacher Academy, and I was making it not for my APs, but for my, my first year bio course. Um, because I, as a, as you were saying, I think a lot of the practices and a lot of the, the, you know, why do you do what you do make sense for so many classes, not just those AP students. Um, so yeah, I completely yeah, agree no, with that. I've done a lot of those, um, you know, part of our, kind of part of our criteria or requirement, I guess you might call it for being in the program initially was that we would try to share some of the stuff that we learned, even in our own area, not as a full five week program, but you know, we were supposed to each year go and do something. So maybe in our district or, you know, in our region. And so I, I did a few different workshops on things that came from that just locally in New York. And Mm -hmm. they were for teachers of all different areas in the sciences and K-12 really, um, so I think, I think that they're really useful. Yeah. And I, I was saying that the summer I kept on going around and I felt like there were so many themes that sort of ran through the work that we did in that AP workshop. And I was going and getting together also with teachers who were, you know, in Pogol, it was chemistry and biology and computer science teachers. And a lot of the, um, checking in a lot of the formative, uh, tasks that we were doing at that program were the same that you guys were modeling for us down in, in Florida. So uh, I think good teaching is good teaching. Um, so it's, I'm glad. I'm excited to hear that you guys are going to continue that on because I definitely think uh, it's going to have a huge impact. Um, it, it has such a different feel than the workshop that you do when you're, you're that first AP Academy you go through, which is like, this is these are all the labs. <laughs> and this is what the yeah. questions look like. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good and super helpful. Oh yeah, yeah I think I think the, the the real point, you know, and the real um, difference behind that the programs is that you know the purpose of our program is really to build a, a community, you know, a network of teachers that can support each other, you know, beyond the the workshop. And that's that is something I do feel like I have. You know, I have my you know my cohort of people that I went through the program with. I have people now in the other cohorts and now we've got our group, you know, from our Florida mm-hmm. RTA. And so it just, it's all these connections that you make. And I feel like I know so many people, you know, teachers that I can reach out to because sometimes you feel like an Island in your own school, you know, I mean, I, I'm not the only AP bio teacher in my school, but um, even that being said, you know, sometimes, 
you know, even just two of you, you're only coming up with so many ideas, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. So it, I think, I mean, how many people are the only AP bio teacher in their school? So, yeah. you know, I think to be able to seek, you know, those resources and the support from people outside of your school is huge. Yeah. Um, uh, from our, our group, and I haven't said this um, on the show yet, but I've been actually getting together. Uh, I think I'm going to plan to, the day this episode gets out, I'll be having a conversation online with uh, uh, both Britt and uh, Merrick uh, from our grouping. Uh, we had a conversation last month where we got together and talked for a little bit. And Merrick and I have had a few co- phone calls and several emails and lots of digital communication uh, even since that, that. So we've sort of maintained a sort of a little small subset of community uh, trying to maintain a little connection as we get into the school year to help each other out uh, and support one another. Um, yeah, that's great. See, that's the stuff we love to hear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that makes you feel like that you helps people make connections, and that's yeah. huge. We could have made a, a really uh, a larger. It's hard to have conversations that are more than like three or four people. Um, at times, you know, it would be that group, but that's the group that we ended up coming together for like a lot of the work we ended up doing towards the end of the week when we were diving deep into standards and really hashing things out. And I think that's the reason we've kept that connection together. But, um, you know, Merrick's going through the the AP curriculum for the first time. And so for him to talk to me, um, you know, I've been through this curriculum for, you know, I taught in the old system, taught in the new system. I've taught it for many more years. And I have a co-teacher who's been teaching the AP curriculum for 15 consecutive years or something like that. So, we have this wealth of resources. I'm like more than happy <laughs> to share everything I've got, yeah. um, but also to engage in those conversations because the work that I do, um, it's a little, I mean, it gets a little stale. Like it's, you know, there's, I was saying this just you know, to the teacher I work with, you know, we, he's been doing it for a long time. We've been working together for a long time. There's things that we need to change, things that we need to improve, but it's really hard to change things that when a system works, it's hard to pull things out and change them. And it's hard to even identify what you need to change when you have a very successful program. And we have a successful program. At the same time, I'm dissatisfied with many aspects of it. Um, in some ways, it's like nicer to start fresh, <laughs> like throw it all yeah. out and, and yeah. do the thing. But we, because of our, you know, because of our, our, our success and, and our program and we're actually starting to grow again uh, in size, there is a hesitation to take some aspects out. You need some deep thinking and deep reflection to know what's working and what's not. And as you were saying, like the pacing of the year and, and even just those conversations, you're not always great at having those conversations with people you work with in the building um, to identify those things. So um, I'm yeah, I'm no, looking forward to the year to get those other voices in to, to help me out. So. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's good. And I'm also, I have not booked it, but it's happening this week. By the time the show comes out, I'm hoping all my NABT stuff's booked. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I know. I'm crossing my fingers. I I don't know if I'm going to make it because um, it, it always conflicts with the, with the New York State Conference for me. Oh. So it becomes such a, um, you know, I'm usually leaving uh, NABT early and arriving to Stanley's late. And uh since I have that other role in Stanny's, it makes life a little bit difficult. So I have to sit down, look at the calendar, and see what I can pull off. Yeah, that's that's the last little bit I got to do. I got to make sure that it works for the calendar for the family. And I, it on all of my initial looks, it looks like I, I got that clear um, to go out to St. Louis this year. Um, but I hope you get to part of it. That'll be. Yeah, I hope I do too. Because <laughs> I've actually really enjoyed. I've actually really enjoyed. It. It's kind of like a little reunion too of all my friends. But yeah. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. All right. Um, so we had mentioned, I had mentioned in my intro that you had recently published uh, in the journal um, uh, The Science Teacher. And uh, even though you haven't actually received a physical copy <laughs> of the print, I linked to it yeah. so you can read it online. Yay. Um, so, I mean, I read it like five times during the revision, but yeah, still. Yeah, I, 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 know, I know what it's like to go through that process, even though it's been a long time since I've, I've published in The Science Teacher. I did uh, early in my career publish there, so I remember that revision process and how well you know it by the time it actually gets to print. Um, but I, I'm curious, uh, I don't know how many people publish journal articles. I know I talk to people, but I'm curious, what was the process that led to you publishing? Because you, you had a co-author, and, and so I'm a little bit curious about what led to this, uh, the, the publishing of The Case of Dinosaur Metabolism. Yeah, so it actually, you know, um, funny, it actually connects back to the Leadership Academy, really. So, you know, in the second year, 
um, one of our requirements again was to do a, a PD for, for something. And it was supposed to be a little bit bigger outside of our building. And so um, the Stanny's section that I'm part of in New York always holds a spring workshop. And I had done quite a bit with claim evidence reasoning. I'd sort of, um, you know, it put in my explanation tool and some mm-hmm. of the things that I had done. And I did a um, CER one-hour program at their spring night. And a professor from uh, St. John Fisher had shown up to that workshop. And he stayed after, and he loved it. And he said, you know, this is good stuff. It's great that you're doing this in your classroom. And um, and then I didn't really hear anything. And, you know, it ended. And then at the end of um, – I think, or maybe the start of last school year, I got an email from him. He had tracked me down and he said that, um, you know, do you have any interest in working with me on an article for the science teacher? And quite frankly, I don't really like to write that much. So this sounded <laughs> like a great opportunity for me because <laughs> I'm always like, I should put something in one of these magazines, but it seems like a lot of work. Uh-huh. And he said, you know, I'd love to come. Um, and he did it with another teacher in my area. And he's like, I'd love to come and we can work out the lesson. And then um, you know, you can do the lesson, do what you do best and I'll come and observe and then we'll, you know, draft out the, 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 um, article and, and so on. And so that's pretty much happened. We tossed around a bunch of ideas, you know, it was, I mean, I had a few things I had done the previous year and I said, well, these are the topics, you know, I've done stuff, you know, what do you want to do? And he really liked the dinosaur one. Um, I was actually pushing for another one. It was kind of funny, <laughs> um, but he just thought the dinosaur one was great. We we're trying to pick a topic that we thought, might be something that's not been in there a lot you know we didn't want to try to step on things that had already been in there we were really shooting for um this particular issue because it was supposed to be all about argumentation Mm -hmm. so yeah so we worked out this article but funny story about it so i knew it was i knew it was going to be in the fall issue we've already established i didn't get my i didn't get my september issue so (laughs) i didn't know it was out i hadn't i had seen the the print layout version of it through an email, but I really didn't know. And um, I'm on Twitter and the, I'm trying to get better at that, but in my rare moments I was on Twitter <laughs> and I see that I'm tagged in something from, from Bob Coon actually mm-hmm. that said, nice, nice job, you know, and I, nice job, nice job for what? Um, and I finally tracked down the original, you know, conversation and uh, some, some other teacher had posted, Oh, I'm just loving this article, you know, or this new issue of the science teacher. I'm loving the dino article. And that's how I found out it was even out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, oh my gosh, my article's out and I haven't even seen it. And some random person on Twitter likes it. So this is great. And then to find out it got the cover picture was super exciting. Yeah. So, um, so it was a great, it was a great opportunity. I mean, I would, um, you know, recommend it for anybody because I got to learn so much about that revision process too. You know, the, the feedback that you get on your first draft, um, is huge, you know, and you have to go through and decide what do you, what do you want to fix and what are you not willing to fix? And, um, just an experience I never had before. So I really liked it. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a really good thing to do. And I, I thought when you said you don't have to write, I started laughing because I was, I was reflecting a little bit when I was thinking, because uh, I put an, as I said, I put an article out when I was a, an early teacher, but it's not something I've gone back to. And I think that I just have never used writing, that kind of writing as my reflection. And I was thinking about somebody like a Paul Strode, who writes all the time and writing is like so part of his process and he puts his blog out there and it's, it's always brilliant. And I'm always like, man, I just don't think I, I don't, I don't work that way. I don't, that's not the way I turn things over in my head. Um, but there's a huge value to engaging in that process. So, yeah, I mean, and I, I say a lot of good things in my head Mm -hmm. and then when they come out of my mouth or on paper, (laughs) they don't sound as good. And that's how I feel about writing. So, you know, I can think in my head what I might want to write, but it just never comes out quite the same way. So I was so excited to have someone else, you know, and he's done this before. So he knew a lot of what, you know, format wise they're looking for for Mm -hmm. these articles. And so it it was nice to kind of have that. I feel a little bit better about it. You know, if I decide to tackle it myself again, I feel like I had had a good experience and I've learned a little bit and that I could probably try something myself if I felt like I had something 
something good to share. I always feel like, and maybe, maybe you feel this way too after teaching. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like, do I have anything of value to yeah. share? Because I'm not sure. I feel like people, because I know it. I feel like other people must know it, you know. And I'm like, well, people probably know all about that. They probably heard all about that, and it's not really going to help anybody. So yeah. I always struggle to find like, what's that one thing that that someone's going to find useful. Yeah, I, I definitely that I, I definitely share that feeling. And, um, you know, it was one of those things that you said earlier when you were saying you were it was just luck that you found the the NABT BSCS group. But you were doing that thing that you always do in the early spring where you flip through and are looking for PD for the summer. And I will tell you, I do that. But I realized last year and I've realized it the last few years not all teachers do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I think there's a community of us who who work that way. Um, and so you're like, oh, it's just like, but it's it's also part of the process. I mean, I think your process is is part of a group who are the type of people who go to the NABT BSCS teacher academies or who are open to writing an article, um, you know, with somebody. Yeah, I think out summer is um, summer's like extend. It's just like extended extended school year for me. <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like I just sort of fill it up. I, I do, you know, one thing I try to do, and this is kind of something I did with that article too, is I just, when people ask me to do things out of my comfort zone, kind of like this podcast that you asked me to do, I just, <laughs> I close my eyes and I say yes. Um, and then I worry about it later. So, um, you know, when Doug, when Doug asked me about the article, I'm like, sure. And then afterwards, I went into a panic attack. I'm like, I'm inviting someone into my classroom. What if I don't? What if, what if it doesn't go well? What if my kids are not? I mean, I teach AP, but I'm still panicking. What if my kids are misbehaving? You know, I go through all that. Or um, I one time I, I used to this. This is a little known fact about me. Uh, I used to do webinars oh, like okay. for um, for wards, you know, the, the yeah. supply company, the science company. Um, and I got a, a phone call one day and someone asked me if I would be willing to do workshops for them. And I said, sure, you know, and, and this woman called me and she kind of interviewed me over the phone. And then at the very end of the conversation, she's like, well, you know, would you be interested in doing webinars? Well, I wasn't really that interested in doing webinars. <laughs> I don't like to be on camera, but I was like, oh, okay, I guess so. I'll try it. I never did anything other than webinars for them. I, she never really had those in-person workshops that I was thinking I was going into. And um, <laughs> so I, for two years, I did these crazy webinars. I can't even believe you didn't see me teaching about lab safety <laughs> and all these really exciting things on the internet. But yeah. When I, well, I, when I go to put my show notes together, I will definitely go searching. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't do those anymore, but it was, it was, it was, it was fun, but it was just one of those things that puts you out of your comfort zone. And I think, you know, sometimes you just have to close your eyes and just say yes and just, you know, figure it out later. Yeah, well, I, I think that one of those um, joys of having taught for a long time is you have the ability to walk into your classroom and say to your kids or we're going to try this thing and, you know, we're going to learn and it may or may not work. And you get a, a degree of acceptance from kids particularly when you you're a known quantity in your building and you've been doing it in a while and uh, it gets easier and easier I think to to get out of your comfort zone um, when you've got those years in the bank in the classroom <laughs> right well and you know you're constantly you know on display in the front of the classroom and you've got judges looking at you all day long every day and so you yeah. just kind of get used to that you know yeah, they're not going to hesitate to to tell you that you you've made a mistake. No, teenagers are very good with letting you know <laughs> exactly what you are doing well and not well. <laughs> yeah, I had a um, I had a moment. So I spent my summer my big summer project was making videos, um, homework option videos. I had mentioned, you know, in my spirit of trying to become Paul Anderson, um, <laughs> not really, mm -hmm. but uh, we everybody's aspiration. <laughs> no, but we were we've actually gone. Um, we're doing a little bit of a flip blended model. We're playing a little a bit with homework options. Um, I'm just, it's something that I've had in my head for a little while of doing. And uh, I decided the summer was the summer I was going to jump in and, and dedicate a bunch of times. But my second video, apparently, that I had finished, you know, in July or whatever and put up on YouTube, uh, I had a, a girl email me on Friday night that they were working ahead on their homework because they were totally slammed next week with all of this stuff. And they wanted me to know that 14 minutes into my video, my, my audio cut out for two minutes, which meant, oh, and I had post and I had posted it and I was like, Oh, so fortunately I had a kid who was working ahead and 
then saw that and then emailed me. So here it is, like 11.45 at night on a Friday. What am I doing? I'm opening up my old camera, <laughs> the old file, and I'm finding the part that's missing, and I'm fixing it, and then I'm deleting the one that's on YouTube, and I'm reposting this one, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, it's one of those things where I'm glad that they're part of this process, and I'm like, yep, we're learning, and we're going to make mistakes, but... Yeah, I hope the failures. second the, failures are fine. Failures are good. You, you learn from failure. If everything works perfectly, then you know, uh, you don't learn anything. It's you know, being perfect is boring. So you know. Yeah, that's that's not who needs that. <laughs> who needs to be perfect? So, all right, uh, cool. Yeah, and definitely check out the article. I'm, I'm putting the article uh, for the people who are listening. I am put linking the article in uh, into my show notes. I'm. You thought that it was uh, freely available, Caitlin? Do you or I'm. I think somebody uh, somebody else sent me a link um, okay. that I think it's on the NSTA site, and I think that it's accessible. You know, I think they put up an article or two usually from each issue that yeah. is available to anybody. I wasn't sure if the reason I could, I, when I clicked on and accessed it, I'm an NSTA member, so I wasn't sure if it just like automatically clicked through for me, but I've put a link that I just did a search and it came up. Um, so Yeah, I think that the person that, um, that sent it to me or, or that checked on it did, had not updated their or renewed their membership yet and they were able to get on it so so hopefully everyone can read it and it's it is nice it, it shows an example it shows uh claim evidence reasoning and i was getting distracted by the the rubric because i was i love reading the rubric descriptors of claim evidence reasoning because i like to look at how i frame it for my students and look at the language uh for the different statements in there so i'm definitely going to pour through that a lot more um about how do you make a good argument a uh, good scientific argument and um i'll be doing that on a different different topic uh, next week. I'll actually be introducing the concept of claim evidence reasoning uh, in the next week or two to my students. So um, definitely worth uh, checking out. And I think applicable, even if you don't do the case of uh, dinosaur metabolism, uh, the whole evidence argument is something I can see applying to a lot of different stuff. So that's oh, yeah, definitely. A really, a really cool article and, and really nice example of, of CER. Um, a slightly different twist on it. I definitely agree that you hit a different note um, than other articles on CER. So thanks. Cool. All right. So now that we're uh, we're in the beginning of the school year, and you know we've already talked about retirement. Somehow in the first two minutes of this <laughs> this episode, we talked about retirement, which normally doesn't come up. But um, between now and you know fifty five, uh, what are you looking forward to in the classroom? Oh, let's see. I um, you know, I think for me, especially right now, um, part of you know the other uh, responsibilities that I have in my in my job. In Pittsburgh, I mean, I teach um, in addition to having a teacher leader position. And so we're working a lot on um, getting ready for these new standards. You know, New York has um, adopted um, a variation of NGSS and um, have been working really hard on, on our implementation plan. And so I'm really excited to, you know, hopefully in the next, you know, three to five years be a critical part of, you know, helping my district implement that and, mm -hmm. and just... What, what I'm going to get to see, you know, in terms of change in science education, you know, I, I think maybe you and I might have had this conversation yeah. in Florida about just, you know, I, my, I work in a great school. Um, I really am, am super lucky. I teach really good advanced students. And so, um, you know, in that respect, I'm, I'm really lucky. But, you know, I think my school, you know, we need some work to transition from you know, from more traditional to, to some new kind of style of thinking about science. And it, it's really because, it, you know, our kids are just good. They score well. They, mm -hmm. you know, they do well on state and national tests. And so, you know, it's hard to have that incentive to change and do something different. And and that's me included, you know. Yeah. I mean, when, when you can do cartwheels and, and the kids sometimes don't come out and figure out, you know, um, what they're supposed to be learning, it's, it's hard to know that, you know, really, that's not the best type of education for, for students in science, you know, that they need to really be actively involved in. And our students, they like us to give them the answers, you know, they're, they always want to know, well, what's the right answer? Mm -hmm. You know, they don't like to leave without having a correct answer. So trying to get our students to move more towards, you know, a applying those science skills and practices is going to be huge. You know, I think it's important for them down the road in their jobs um, you know, I tell them all the time, I'm like, you're going to, you're going into a different world. You're going to have to think differently. You know, you're going to have to know how to use information. And so, 
you know, I know you're going to do okay on the AP bio exam. You know, that's not my ultimate goal for you though, really. It's it's a goal, Mm -hmm. you know, but ultimately I want you guys to be real, you know, good critical thinkers and problem solvers and, and look at things scientifically. So that's, that's my biggest, you know, and most exciting thing is I think we're going to see some big changes in New York. Yeah. Yeah. I was at one of those workshops. Um, I was an interloper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you snuck into a New York workshop. I don't know how you got in. You must, you must I, know people. <laughs> yeah. I, I know the same important person who gives you a hard time. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, the, 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 the thing that you said about the, 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 the changing in there, I was, it made me immediately think to the activity I did on the first day with my freshmen. We do a, a freshman orientation day. Um, and I, I stole from uh, Lee Ferguson because, you know, why not? Because you should always yeah, steal from Lee. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Lee had posted up this these pictures of um, of Post-it notes uh, that she had the kids, you know, writing different things out. And so I, I did an activity like that on our freshman orientation day. And I put a series of questions. Um, but one of the questions I had asked was, um, I, I do well in uh, class when my teacher blanks. And the, I had a lot of my honors freshmen say, you know, um, lectures. Like that was their answer. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what they want. And, you know, it wasn't not it wasn't all of them. And, and most of the kids were, you know, um, you know, checks for understanding and learns and a lot of really positive, really good reflective things. But there were still in each class, like two or three kids who said, you know, lectures like that was the that's what they expect. Um, yeah. And that's I think that's that's definitely true. You know, yeah. I. It takes me a little bit at the start of the school year to sell my um, system, you know, in my classroom to my students um, because it doesn't look like a lot of other classrooms that mm-hmm. they're in. And, you know, it, to, to get them to understand that I'm not going to be standing in front of them, you know, a lot. But when I finally get buy-in, a lot of kids do give me good feedback at the end. But it's every year, you know, it's always that you know, try to get them on your side. I mean, I spent my entire first day of class um, teaching them about failure and mindset. <laughs> if this is what you had to do for AP kids, be ready for failure, you guys. It's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, to me, that's important because, you know, we have a, you know, I do standards-based grading. We've got a, a oh, wow. redo kind of policy and, um, you know, kids have the opportunity to fail. And I think for, for those advanced students, especially, they're they're not comfortable feeling, you know, feeling for them is huge. You know, they've, they've got big goals and aspirations and, you know, two points in a GPA is, is devastating to some of these kids. And so I actually, a good story about that though. One of my coworkers said to me, um, she said, yeah, I heard a couple of girls walking down the hallway after the first day of classes. And they were saying, one girl said to the other, I'm feeling a lot less stressed about science now because I can redo my ones and twos. And, and that was huge for me, Yeah, you know, was I don't want them to come in being really stressed about it and, and fighting for those half points and points, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 you know, you either get it or you don't get it, you know, and then you got to get it. So, yeah. um, I, I was really, really glad they, somebody actually was really excited about that. Cause usually it's the opposite. They're usually in a panic about, you know, getting a one through four and not a 90. Yeah. I think the kids are, are moving that direction. Um, I wonder how much about the adults. <laughs> uh, yeah, hard, harder, much harder for the adults. <laughs> yeah, um, I have, I've, I've been sharing a lot of uh, standard-based grading resources with a, a fellow teacher in the building who teaches in a different department for me, and we have conversations, and we we all, almost always have this point. Um, most of the conversations are about like how do you make standards clear, and how do you align them out, and how do you align your curriculum with them. But we do not have a standards-based grading system. But that's where we ultimately get is like, how do you sort of subversively <laughs> make your system in a traditional system standards based like, you know, how do you how do you move there? Um, I think there will Retro, be retrofit it. Yeah. And well, <laughs> temporarily, the, the thing is, I, I work with other teachers um, and I collaborate with other teachers and um, they're really great teachers and they have great ideas and they are wonderful about teaching and wonderful about you know, changing our practice from one that is content driven to one that is a balance of um, skills and practice, like really having the moving in that direction. But the conversations that we've had, I think there's one conversation at a time, like they're okay moving the content from content heavy to balanced with content and skills. If I layer on the idea of standards-based grading, (laughs) not every, and it's not to say that they're, you know, I just, they're not in the same headspace. 
Um, and we're putting in a lot of deep thinking in the space that we're putting it in. And I really, I appreciate the risk taking and buying buy-in that they're doing with me on the things that I'm pushing them on. Um, and hopefully I'm being open and being pushed back and being pushed into new areas by these teachers. It to me feels like moving, trying to add on a standards-based grading, even though I think I personally would be very comfortable with it. I don't feel like the conversations I've had about those with other teachers make them feel very comfortable. And it's like, all right, let's, let's, let's handle one, you know, massive change in the system at a time. <laughs> well, I think, and I also think though, as you move to that change though, that's when the standards-based reading starts to fit in really nice. I completely you know, agree. When, when you can, you know, when you can identify those science skills and practices and start to assess kids on that, I just think the whole shift over, will kind of go hand in hand. And I think that's how my district is, you know, they're very supportive of, of changing grading, yeah. um, you know, philosophy, but you were kind of transitioning everything kind of slowly at the same time. So, yeah, I, I think, um, I think our administration is also um, on board there. I actually think that for me, the students are, the students are going to get there as well. And it's also asking the students to make a big lift. And when you have kids who come in and want lecture, um, you know, on day one, yeah. um, the idea that you're not going to stand up and lecture and you're going to focus in on learning and you're going to move to standards-based grades, there, there will be some community pushback as well. And so if you're not as a team ready to move forward and you're still coming to grips yeah, with some of these hard. means, I, I, for me, it's like, you know, there's only so many hours in the day and I got plenty of years left to teach. So, um, I don't have to, plenty, know, plenty of time. We've already established how many yeah. years we have left. We yeah. have plenty of years I got left. plenty of years. I could change. I don't have to change it all tomorrow. As much as th that's, no. par that's part of how I like to work. Um, yeah, me too. That is one of my problems. I'm not very patient. No. And so um, when I find something new, I usually uh, <laughs> try to jump on it pretty quickly. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but as I said, so I am doing standards-based grading. Yeah. I have shifted over my classroom. But, um, you know, but my district is, you know, moving that way, but not quite there yet. But so I have to retrofit a lot. That's, that's the only hard part about it is then yeah. I have to eventually convert it back to that zero to 100 grade, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I appreciate, I'm very appreciative of, of you making that battle so that when I, when I am ready, um, <laughs> I can yeah. come back to you and say, perfect. Cool. How's this work? <laughs> All right. All right. So when you're, when you're not in the classroom, um, and not running PD, <laughs> what yeah. do you, what do you do? That's not like teaching. What do you like to do? That's yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I like to do. Um, however, I, I have three children, so the things mm -hmm. that I get to do are few and far between. But, um, you know, I do, like, I love to get outside. And, you know, I, I got I got to go hiking once this summer. That was a win. <laughs> I thought I was really excited. But, um, you know, that's kind of what I would choose to do if I had some free time is kind of get out and enjoy nature a little bit. And I, and I do actually, I complain about it and I pretend like you don't like it, but I do like running around and mm -hmm. following my three kids and the things that they do and they all play sports right now. And so being soccer mom for a little bit actually is kind of fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure I will miss it when it's over, <laughs> you know, I don't know. What will I do with my, with my Monday nights? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so that's, that's mostly what I do. Yeah. I don't, I don't have enough energy or anything to, to do much else, I don't think. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Family time's the good. That parenting thing, that parenting thing is a lot of work. And let <laughs> me tell you, I somebody told me three kids wasn't that bad. I don't know who that was. <laughs> I think it was a – that was a cruel joke, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, three kids is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, we have we have two. and uh, Two is great. Two is two great. Two is the right number. Two is good. <laughs> well, today was uh, – today's Sunday. Today's long run day. And um, – you know, my, my youngest is now 10 and the oldest is a high schooler. And so well, my wife and I can both go out and run long run at the same time and somebody doesn't have to stay home. So, um, <laughs> like, yeah, that's exciting. We can go I, out. I have a driver like now. I have a driver oh, and, a, yeah. and a senior. And, uh, I know it's actually, this is what I was actually thinking today was I'm going to have to regress like a little bit cause I'm going to lose my driver for about six months before I get another driver next oh. year. So it was actually in my, in my head, I was going, Hmm. I'm going to have to do sports pickups again and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to drop people off at jobs. Like I've been really spoiled the last year. Yeah. You Getting a driver is nice. Yeah. We'll have that for, we'll have, we'll have a, a, a brief window where we have a similar deal where we have, um, when we have a high school student and a middle school, we're, we're never going to have our kids in the same school again. 
Right now we have an elementary and a high school, but at the end of this year, we will no longer have an elementary school student, um, but they never overlap in a building again. So, yeah. We'll so have... is your so is your ten year old in fifth grade then? Yeah, he's in fifth grade. So, and then they, yeah, okay, they start, that's, that's my youngest one too. They start they start middle school and uh, they start middle school at sixth grade, and uh, yeah, my, my it's it's hard to believe that I have a fourteen year old and I go in every day and I talk to fourteen year olds and I. It is a. It's something that I I come a little bit to grips with. You know, when you tell the kids you have empathy for what it's like for them when they go home and do their homework, it's like I have empathy. I get to see it. Like I go home. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I gripe about a lot of the things that uh, I probably do in my own classroom when my kids come <laughs> home and throw things in my face. I'm like, ah, why did your teacher give you this? I yeah. <laughs> that take home project. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't necessarily gripe, but I definitely, uh, you know, it's definitely a lens that you look through when you can see it in your in your own kitchen <laughs> at night. Yeah, I mean it would be fine if I didn't have to be involved in it. But somehow <laughs> I always somehow I always end up getting involved in it. If they would just go do it on their own, it would be fine. <laughs> boys. Uh, These are boys. Yeah. Minor minor boys too. <laughs> All right. So uh before we get to the picks of the episode, do you have any questions for me? No, I can't I couldn't really think of any. How about um well what are you looking forward to this year? Oh, I, I'm looking forward to a lot. Um, I would say um, the biggest thing I'm looking forward to is seeing how the students react to um, really doing this sort of flip blended model that we're moving to in honors. Um, that's sort of the, the biggest thing. I, I did a lot of work this summer cleaning up our learning objectives and putting them into themes. They already sort of were there, but I sort of changed the structure and I'm giving kids options on their homework and making videos so they could either do textbook outlines or take notes on a video. Um, and the idea there is that it's going to open up the classroom space to do more, you know, labs, to do more activities, to do more peer evaluations, to do more, you know, collaborative group stuff that takes advantage of that time in the room as a community. Um, I feel like in the past, whenever somebody puts together an idea of like, oh, everyone's going to write a CER or every group's going to do a CER and they're going to put them up on the wall and they're going to do gallery walk. And I'm like, I'd be like, how am I going to do that? I've got a lecture. Like, I've got to get through these notes. That's how we taught. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to freeing up that time by doing the, the lectures online um, as homeworks and tying them to those learning objectives so the kids will see that the work they're doing at home ties to those core learning objectives, ties to what we're trying to do, and then we could build off of that. So um, I'm a little nervous about how they're going to react, but I'm also hopeful and excited and looking to learn from the kids about how to best support them so we can take advantage of the community time in class. So Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and then... Should be fun. Yeah, and then but I'm, I'm only tackling it with the honors class. So I really, am, you know, even though I spent all that time working on AP this summer, I've done very little changing of AP. <laughs> but You the, should always tackle things with the honors kids first. <laughs> well, I think that that's the curriculum that was the more content-focused, the more, like, marching, driving. I feel like in AP, we've already revised, and it's. I really feel like my, my AP curriculum is driven by our labs um, and our projects. I feel like the content does come secondary in the nature of how we have that class organized. So I don't feel like it needs as radical a change, but I think the lessons learned from working with those honors kids is, are de- is definitely going to pay dividends when we, we come back and revisit like how much homework are we assigning in AP and, you know, how many of these readings do we assign and how much redundancy do we have where we hit, you know, making sure that the homework's tied more to the, the learning objectives that we're trying to hit and telling that storyline idea. But I didn't make any radical changes to that this year. <laughs> That's, I'm, I kicked that can down the road. So, Next year. Yeah. See how much I get through this year. On the <laughs> That's if, that's assuming I can get through the video project I have for honors in one year. Um, right. Yeah. But yes, may, maybe. Maybe next year uh, we'll tackle AP that way. All right. So we've gotten to picks of the week, um, and uh, we have very similar picks of the week. Um, as I said, today is... Uh, uh, today is the day that Irma was making landfall in Florida. Uh, Caitlin, what is uh, your pick of the week? Yeah, feeding South Florida. Yeah, mine is the the Houston Food Bank. So I put these two links in there. Uh, we were talking about these these two together. Feeding South Florida is part of Feeding America, um, and this is the disaster relief um, link. So on this day that we're talking is actually they're they're closed uh, because. Irma is going through Florida. 
Um, but we will, um, but they will be taking donations, both financial donations and, um, they'll also be taking, if you're in Florida, um, you can volunteer and do stuff like that. And then I put the Houston food bank, uh, link in there as well. Our thoughts are definitely with uh, the people down in Florida. Um, Chi was posting that they're batting down, uh, earlier today and telling people to retweet interesting things so that she has something to do. Um, yeah, I know. She, Leslie. Yeah. And then, I mean, Brand's down in South Florida. Um, he's just outside of Miami. So, um, and that half that group was Florida people. So, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully everybody in Florida is safe. And, um, I know that Houston's still struggling. Um, and they will be, I think both, both communities are going to be uh, dealing with the, the impacts of these storms for, for months to come. Um, it's not going to be a short-term thing. So uh, when this com- episode comes out, I know the hurricanes will be a few weeks in the, the past. But um, still, uh, if you're thinking about supporting people, and um, it's always a good idea to, to go back to the food banks. The food banks are always, um, as I was saying earlier, they're, when we were talking offline, they're, they're part of my, my family's uh, – charitable work has always been food bank focused we do a lot of stuff with the um worcester food bank around where we live um and yeah i think i think a lot about food in terms of uh the charities and helping up in the two or three weeks after disaster they do some great work so yeah great all right well thank thank you so much i'm not ending on a bummer talking about uh (laughs) the destruction of the hurricanes that are that are going through the states but uh hopefully we can have a positive outlook by helping them out. Uh, but thanks again, Caitlin, for joining me. Um, this has been a good talk. I hope it was painless. Um, I survived. <laughs> you survived. Um, <laughs> and, uh, hope- Th- thanks for, thanks for taking me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked for like two hours one night down in Florida. <laughs> in the lobby there <laughs> i mean i can talk that's not the problem <laughs> so thank you for letting me record you as we talked and have another conversation you're welcome uh, so let me tell you my credits uh music for this and every episode are done by jake jenkins and x magicians uh you can get show notes at life of the school um uh, it's right at the website uh life school.org you can follow at life of the school or at mr matthew tweets uh to get information from me i i post up um Links to the shows up on Twitter uh, under both accounts, although the at Mr. Matthew tweets is a little bit better at doing that. Um, you can also leave me comments or ask follow-up questions uh, if you have anything for me. You can also do at uh, C which is at C-U-L-L-O-C-K, if you want to follow Caitlin or uh, tag her or talk to her about her article. Uh, she does occasionally post. So yes, you, you I will can, get better. Yeah, you can get you can uh, you can definitely communicate with her there. Um, so I'll, hopefully everyone enjoys this. This will be this is now we're full into school. This is middle of September when this is coming out. So hopefully everyone's off to a great start of the year, and I'll talk to everybody soon. <laughs>